Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. We are so glad to have you guys back with us. This week, we have so much news that I don't think we can hardly stand it. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the show. We have Adam and Rhiannon with us, just like usual. And you guys know them, and you'll get to know them a little more as we talk. So let's just jump into our news. Uh, First news up, we have a director uh, pairing now for Captain Marvel. For a long time, we've been hearing that that was going to come, and now we have it. Uh, Marvel, we know, was looking for a female director, and the team they got is a, uh, a pair, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, uh, obviously a male-female pair there, and they're going to direct this movie together. They have some experience doing a few things that not a lot of folks know. Yeah, no, not necessarily. You know, looking at their stuff, they have, I mean, it's primarily like the campy indie indie type stuff um you know and Brie Larson's been on record saying that her take on Captain Marvel is going to be more of a, a a funny type role so they should play uh off each other quite nicely yeah the only thing I really took away from any of this is to me this just continues a series of decisions of, on Marvel's part when it comes to directors of going to lesser known not big name people. And this is, I mean, really it's interesting. I know it's kind of exhausting for some people to always play the Marvel DC comparison game. But when you look at the way DC has gone after relatively big name directors and they like to, sometimes it seems to make a splash with the people that they get to do their projects. It's been fascinating to see Marvel kind of take a very different tactic. Um, by the time we're done as you start to look through phase three of the MCU, it's the Russo brothers, followed by Scott Derrickson, followed by James Gunn, followed by John Watts, followed by Taika Waititi, followed by Ryan Coogler, followed by the Russos again. Um, and now this pairing, um, I think uh, we'll have Peyton Reed back for Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I think when you look at that, some of those directors are a bigger deal now. I mean, James Gunn is obviously very popular and is really well-known because of Guardians. But that is a lineup for almost the entire phase in which Ryan Coogler is maybe the biggest name on there for you know non-MCU work. And so I just think it's interesting they're continuing that. They seem to be very confident that they can find people who have directed smaller budget stuff and that they can give them a support cast to do the big budget stuff, but also have the artistic vision that a lot of times independent filmmakers have that can get kind of, you know, taken out of you once you've been in the Hollywood business for a while. So I just think it's interesting that that, that's continuing. So, All right. Um, We also have some big news on the New Warriors front. So this week, Freeform was doing their upfronts where as a network they show advertisers and other people what they have coming in their next season. And so they were uh, showing us a lot from Cloak & Dagger. We're going to get into that just a little bit later. But they also gave us the lineup of their team for New Warriors. And there was a lot of speculation about this. Already the team's going to be a little bit different because Squirrel Girl has been added as sort of the leader of the team, which is not traditionally part of the New Warrior lineup. And so if you've been wondering who's going to be in this show, The six characters have been selected, and they are Squirrel Girl, Mr. Immortal, Night Thrasher, Speedball, Microbe, and Debris. 
Um, it's kind of interesting. I think some of these are relatively new characters. I'm not sure if any of them are original. Uh, they may just be deep enough cuts that I don't know them very well, but I definitely had to look up the power sets on a couple of them. Um, Adam, we'll give you first. We'll for, give you first go because I know right now you are undoubtedly mourning the fact that your um, your love your much beloved um, Dark Hawk did not make it. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed about that. <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's kind of something uh, I expected. You know, obviously you'll have Night Thrasher and Speedball in there. Uh, Microbe was part of the team um, during the first Civil War run. Um, it I was surprised to see Mister Immortal on there. I know Jeremiah had had kind of guessed that leading up to it. Um, and you know, there's been freeform execs on on record pretty much saying that uh, they're completely open uh for spinouts you know so this is essentially marvel's version of what dc has on the cw you know so having mr immortal in there and then the series led by squirrel girl you know those are two members of the great lakes avengers and that's certainly a, a campy type show that would probably go over very well on freeform but the lineup yeah that's uh enough characters you know there's there's certainly going to be some interesting dynamics on there yeah, I was really interested. I had, like I said, I've never heard of Microbe, honestly. I've just not, New Warriors is not part of the comic world I'm familiar with. And this idea that um, talking to the germs in your body to know, like, where you've been and what you've done, um, that just, that concept sounds hilarious. You know, like, even yeah, which... that one really stood out to me. <laughs> right, like, even, like, which germs are still alive, like, you know, like talking to some of the germs on your hand is like, yeah, this dude never washes after using the bathroom. Or, you know, like something like that. Like there's all these kinds of like <laughs> gross situations that could come out to be really funny. Rhiannon, did you have any particular thoughts on kind of this lineup uh, for New Warriors? I don't really, you know, like I, I'm with you on this. It's not a comic I've ever read. It's not one. It's not one that interested me when I first heard about it, but Obviously, Microbe jumped out to me as well. I, the, the descriptions that they provided for these characters, all of them, are funny. Um, you, even Mr. Immortal, they're like, super superpower, cannot die, ever, maybe, so he says. And, and that's just, I, I don't know, I just find it funny. Um, it seems like a good number of characters with pretty complex powers... For us to get to know in 10 half-hour episodes. So I'm curious to know how much character develop there's, there's going to be. How much focus on these powers there's going to actually be. Um, and just the tone of the show. When I saw Mr. Immortal, my thought was just... It told me so much about what they're going to do. Like, we had heard this was going to be a comedy. But that, to me, sort of... Like, that's a character whose power is almost purely comedy. Like, I'm sure there's some cool things you could possibly do with it, but, like, um, if they were going to say it's a comedy but then kind of veer into drama pretty quickly, that's not a character I think you keep. And so it seems like they're definitely going to keep this very goofy, very fun, and that was kind of the signal I got from that. So, uh, And like you said, they are. it was very funny, the descriptions they gave, and so I think uh, it, it should be a good time. I'm a lot more excited the more I hear about this than I was at first about the lineup. So um, 
it'll be cool to see it develop. It's been a really busy news week because we have huge Guardians of the Galaxy news, and it's our third item that we're bringing up on the show. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, there's two things here that we really need to talk about a little bit. Um, actually, three things. First of all, uh, we've heard now that there are going to be five post-credit scenes at the end of this movie. Apparently, four of them were in some of the first showings that happened this week, and they're going to add a fifth. And this is not a joke. Like, when I saw this, it sounded like an Onion article, but it is real. James Gunn has told us five post-credit scenes. Um, I guess the big question there is, like, is that too much? Is that crazy? Like, obviously, I think there's a lot of excitement about this because people love those post-credits. But, uh, or mid-credits or whatever. I mean, here it's going to be three-quarter credit scenes or whatever. Um, do you guys think that this is... Is this too much or is this kind of cool? I have no idea. I mean, I, I would normally say it's too much. But th- there's nothing normal about these the Guardians movies. So I think it'll be fun just to hang out in the theater and see how many people leave after each one. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they actually are. I, I just read an article that spoiled one of them uh, right before hopping on, uh, so that's a bummer, you know. But I mean, we're we're certainly in a spot where we could get something from Black Panther, maybe a little snippet from Infinity War. I think they uh, they did show um, some footage from Inhumans at C two E two, so that'd be the ultimate Easter egg type deal, but. I don't think they'd put the ABC show in with the movies, but uh, five post-credit scenes—they're <laughs> just letting James Gunn run, uh, run whatever he wants. Yeah, I, I'm kind of excited that I think I always—I'm personally a fan of one kind of funny or light-hearted post-credit, and then I want the other one to actually be like a uh, kind of cliffhanger. This is something to look forward to in the next movie, kind of thing. So I love that I'm going to get both of those. I don't think they're just going to be five goofy ones, but maybe. Um, and so that's that's cool. Um, I am interested, you know, you mentioned Black Panther. That would feel really weird and uncomfortable to me if, like, there was a Black Panther. Like, I don't know, the Guardians are such a separate, like, corner of the universe. I wouldn't mind, like, something Ragnarok being in the post-credits. But if they, like, kind of move to T'Challa, I don't know. It just it wouldn't feel right, so... I'm a little apprehensive, but generally speaking, James Gunn has done everything so well. I have a hard time not just trusting that he's going to do whatever well. Speaking of James Gunn, the second part of this story is that he has officially said that he's going to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now, if you've been watching sort of the story behind this, he has been asked incessantly, almost since the day he started Volume 2, Hey, are you going to do volume three? Are you going to finish the trilogy? And he's always said, that's a big decision. These movies are three to five years of my life. I don't know yet what I want to do five years from now. And so give me some space to figure that out. And so the fact that he's into it, he talked in his press release kind of statement about how much he loves these characters and he wants to bring this trilogy kind of to a conclusion for this iteration of the Guardians, which means... It looks like he's really looking at it as a you know traditional film trilogy. Um, so that's all, I think, really interesting. Adam, I know you're really into Guardians. Are you excited to see James Gunn back uh, to give us one more go after this one? 
Absolutely. Put him in charge of as many Marvel movies as possible. I mean, he's he took the, the G-list characters and, and made them into arguably one of the most popular properties. You know, um, I was just reading an article earlier about a character that's going to debut in uh, Guardians 3 too. I'm not sure if it's a spoiler or not, so I don't want to spoil you guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, put him in charge of the whole cosmic side, you know, post-Infinity War. I, I know we were talking earlier this week, you know, maybe as soon as Guardians 3 wraps up, that's going to be really really good timing should x-men or fantastic four come over from fox you know so i think james gunn at the helm of a fantastic four movie would absolutely rock do we have any situations where the directors have done more than three movies i feel like two or three seems to be the burnout point for some of these guys yeah so i think the russos are definitely on for four because they did Winter okay. Soldier, they did Civil War, and now they'll do Infinity War and Avengers 4. So that will be, that'll be it, but yeah. Yeah, and the Russos don't appear to be burning out anytime soon. No, they seem to be going pretty strong. But you're right, I mean, particularly the sort of those first foundational characters like Jon Favreau and Joss Whedon, they both did two and it felt like after two it was okay i'm done no more of this you know thank you very much so uh definitely but again i think that's some of that is because they're going to people who are kind of lesser known and so you know i mean the guys that are going the whether it's the russos or it's gun i mean those are people who were not doing gigantic blockbuster movies and they owe kind of more of their career to their Marvel experience than maybe someone like John Favreau, who had sort of some experience before that. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe that plays a small factor here. But uh, the other b- piece of Guardians that we needed to talk about is that the first people who got to see Guardians um, did so this week. There was a showing of it. And so um, Twitter uh, had some early, early reviews that came on. I think Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Um, generally, very positive. Uh, there was one or two detractors, but it seemed like they were maybe just grumpy people. I don't know. Uh, generally, it seems everybody likes this movie that has seen it. And so it'll be interesting to see when the, the actual reviews come out. But uh, those were all pretty positive. So I think that is most of the Guardians news for now. Um, let's move over to um, Luke Cage. So this was a big surprise, and I don't think we totally know what it means yet. Uh, This week, we saw some pictures that were taken out and about in New York. Pictures of signs towards a set called Tiara, which Tiara is the name for uh, the production of Luke Cage. And it seemed like they were shooting now. And that made it appear as if Luke Cage Season 2 is already filming. Uh, here at MCU Exchange, we have some other news, which we haven't fully reported on, but I believe is coming on Friday, that suggests that's actually right. And so Luke Cage, Season 2, is rolling. Uh, Rhiannon, I'm sure, as our Netflix person, this makes you happy. 
And it's also really surprising, right? Right. Um, well, it's it's not entirely surprising. There is one... Right after Iron Fist came out, there is one small podcast, one of the Defenders TV podcasts, and there's several that do this where they do a breakdown, but one of them had an interview with Stephanie Maslonsky, I think, or the costume designer that did all of these shows. And she was the costume designer on the, uh, the Defenders. And so they interviewed her as soon as they wrapped on Defenders. And evidently, and I didn't hear it on the podcast. I didn't. But the girl that does the podcast said, yes, Stephanie told me that she's going to work on Luke Cage next. And then right after hearing that, we got news that Jessica Jones was filming. So, yeah, we were like, okay, you know, obviously she misheard or, you know, there was something off. And they're doing, I mean, obviously, you know, Jessica Jones came out, it was definitely filming. So this isn't completely out of left field, but it is a huge surprise. Um, Punisher recently wrapped, so I'm wondering if Marvel Television has just worked out their New York City crews, and they are going to be filming two shows at once, and that is just the plan. Um... But it is that Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are going to be almost on the same schedule. But we have had nothing, you know, Jessica Jones, we've had news about the writer's room or, you know, about them getting going on stuff for a long time. You know, um, Melissa Rosenberg's been working on it forever. Um, But Luke Cage, I'm not sure if we've ever even officially heard that Chio Hodari Coker is going to be the showrunner for season two. I think we've assumed Chio will be on season two, but there's been nothing about the behind the scenes stuff. And that stuff usually, you start to get some sort of news about it months ahead of time because the writer's room comes together. On a network TV show, they'll come together at least about six weeks before the show starts, sometimes earlier so that they can really plot things out. There have... So yes, later uh later today, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, we will have some more news that seemingly confirms that it really is Tiara filming and Tiara was the season 1 codename for Luke Cage. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head that it appears that Netflix now has two production crews and they are happy to run them both simultaneously. That was kind of a new thing when Defenders and Punisher kind of ran at the same time. And it looks like they're just going to keep on cranking with that, which brings up huge questions. Does that mean we're going to get double the output? You know, does that mean four shows a year or does it mean just three? Uh, I mean, there's all that kind of stuff. But the other thing that comes to my mind is it seems like the busyness of the Netflix universe is allowing for some of this stuff to happen under like under the cover of other things. Between the release and the reviews and all the stuff that happened with Iron Fist and then all the publicity that's starting to happen with Defenders and then some things talking about Jessica Jones, it's almost like Luke Cage Season 2 was afforded the possibility to just fly under the radar and to start to do these things and to start to work on these things and nobody really noticed because there was so much going on. And so um, it's just, it's really interesting to see that happening like that. Adam, do you have any thoughts on Luke Cage? Oh, oh sorry, Rhiannon, do you have something else? Oh, just, 
just to clear, um, they did start. Defenders isn't the first time they filmed two things at once. They started filming Luke Cage before they were done with Daredevil season two. They started filming two things at once that early. Um, uh, I don't, I think they overlapped just a little bit. They overlapped for a couple of months. And I think that Luke Cage completely wrapped before Iron Fist started filming. But I totally agree that this, I, I'm really hoping it means an accelerated release schedule. Maybe four shows in 2018. Ah, it's cool. <laughs> you know, if they can film two shows at once, you know, more power to them. That means we'll get Moon Knight faster. Uh, let's keep on moving through it. Like I said, we've got lots of news. Um, Marvel did kind of an open house this week where in conjunction with, I think, some of the Guardians test screenings and all that kind of stuff, they also did a big open house where they showed some little snippets and views towards what's coming in uh, future movies. They showed a little bit of concept art. Uh, Most of that hasn't been released to the internet, so we're just kind of getting secondhand from people what that looks like. And so we're going to hit some of that stuff. Uh, The first one I'll talk about is uh, we got some Black Panther information. Apparently uh, what we saw was, uh, what we saw, what people who are um, blessed enough to be able to be in that room saw were some different exterior shots of Wakanda, some of the events that were happening. We heard about some pretty beautiful costume design. Uh, There was a little bit about um, Agent Ross and uh, Claw kind of having this quippy little conversation with each other and some of the humor that was in that um, scene. And apparently there was also some footage of T'Challa being crowned as the king of Wakanda, like a coronation um, scene. So anyways, I don't think there's a whole lot for us to say about that, but we just wanted to share that with you, particularly if you kind of come to this podcast for news. So, um, Also, we saw that Ant-Man um, looks like it's going to, Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to lean a lot more into not just shrinking stuff, but making stuff really big. Uh, Apparently there was a scene with a giant dog that was playing fetch with a car or some kind of concept art along that line. Um, Do you guys like monster movies? Is this what we need in the MCU? Like, is it time for uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp to be kind of like a, uh, is is it pronounced kaiju? The, uh, those Japanese monster films? You know, I wasn't really... I, I got spoiled before I saw Civil War that Giant Man was going to be in Civil War. And I had no idea. Like, I, I couldn't get excited about that. I had no idea what that would be like. But when the moment came, it was fantastic. And I loved it. So, again, I can't get excited about going really big in Ant-Man. But... I loved the first movie and, you know, and I loved what he did in Civil War. So I am sure I will probably enjoy it. Yeah, I pretty much agree. You know, it might be something better served in short spurts, you know, where it's kind of a a surprising type move instead of being Giant Man the whole movie. Um, But it would be cool to see Giant Man take on like a huge opponent. Galactus or something like that, you know, that'd be awesome. But uh yeah. yeah. Bring on Giant Man. Yeah, I think that it's kind of clever because they did so many smart things with the shrinking in the first one that there'll be the the danger of seeming redundant and kind of one note if they try to continue down that line. And so going big makes a lot of sense. It does make me 
I don't know why. This is one property that I'm just not sure we need a trilogy of. Like, I feel bad saying that because I really liked the first Ant-Man. But, I don't know. I could see this one going this way and being all about kind of a big, almost Godzilla-style movie. And then, after that, being like, okay, we've seen him little, we've seen him big. And he is now joining the ranks of Hawkeye as a guy that just shows up in other movies, you know? And I would be fine with that if he shows up consistently in other movies and he gets to do cool things. Like, I can enjoy Hawkeye, I guess. Um, you know, continuing to show up in just everything. He never needs a standalone. Uh, one other movie that is coming up that we heard some things about this week is we saw a little more uh, glimpses into what Thor Ragnarok will be like. And the big announcements were that uh, the Warbound, some of these characters that Hulk is connected to in the Planet Hulk storyline, which is being adapted in part for this film, are going to be in this movie as well. Particularly the bug creature Meek and the giant stone rock guy Korg. And what I thought was really exciting is uh, Taika Waititi has a history of putting himself in all of his movies uh, sometimes kind of like Alfred Hitchcock. It's not always a giant role, but um, he's usually in it in some way. And he's always very funny when he does it. And it's interesting that he's going to do the mocap for Korg, or already has done it. And so it will be his sort of physicality, and that is the way that he's putting himself into the film. Uh, this is a pretty cool cameo, isn't it? Like, for if you're a director, putting yourself in via motion capture... Is kind of a, a clever way to do it, I think. Definitely. Adam, are you a big Planet Hulk fan? Did you like that storyline a lot? Uh, yeah, I've read it some. I mean, it's not like, oh, that's my favorite comic run of all time or anything, you know, but a lot of people love it to death, you know, so this is kind of Marvel's way of um, kind of reassuring everyone Hulk probably won't get a solo movie ever again <laughs> because they're just throwing Planet Hulk into uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, but yeah, Korg's, Korg's a really cool thing, and that's very creative playing motion capture. It should be quite humorous. Yeah, I think my one disappointment in all of this is um, I did love Planet Hulk. It's one of my favorite comic, st- comic storylines over the last you know decade or two of things that I've read. And so I am a little bit sad that we're never going to get like a full Planet Hulk saga because that really was a storyline that had two or three major twists and turns and movements to it. And so I'm, I'm kind of bummed out that we're not going to see it. But it does help to see that some of these characters, uh, particularly Meek, I just feel like he's a big sort of uh, fan favorite. So uh, it's kind of cool to see that he's going to be in there. So All right, uh, that about does it for the news. Um, we also will just let you guys know, if you are a Netflix uh, subscriber, which... I assume many of our listeners are because of Daredevil and Jessica Jones and the Defenders. Um, We are now getting Marvel movies on Netflix as soon as they kind of come into that release window. Uh, Disney and Marvel have a contract for all Disney films to hit there first before they go to Showtime or HBO or any of those places. And so we got a release date uh, this week. Doctor Strange will be available for free to watch on Netflix on May 30th. That's actually a little earlier than I know I had been assuming based on like uh, Civil War's timeline. So that's exciting. If you've been uh, you know, fiscally responsible and held back from buying Doctor Strange on Blu-ray, 
that'll be your chance, May 30th, to see it uh, on the beauty of Netflix. All right. Um, I think that, believe it or not, that is actually all of the major news. We don't always get every story, but um, I think that's the big stuff that has happened this week. Yesterday was a really crazy day in Marveldom, so uh, always stay up to date with the website. We do everything we can to give you guys news and to give it to you really fast. Uh, we kind of pride ourselves lately that we've done a good job of getting uh, these things announced and on the site, sometimes within minutes of when they're announced. So we're uh, just encourage you to always stay on the website, check out mcuexchange.com for all of the latest news, and you can see what's happening in the MCU. All right, are you guys ready to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh my gosh. Yes, sir. I just finished watching the episode, like, an hour before we called in, so I'm still emotionally a little touched. Oh, okay. Well, let's just start there. What is, uh, what was emotionally touching to you about this week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That Mace, like, gave his life in the framework to to save everybody that I, I mean just mace as the patriot i mean realizing that his one regret was that he wasn't actually inhuman and that he got to live this framework life where he was inhuman and he got to save people and i i just was really touched i don't understand why ada couldn't just be like oh let me rewrite the framework a little bit and keep you alive but whatever she's a jerk right i think that was actually important though for this show um because we were told if you die in the framework you die in real life but i know for me as she was like at the end of the episode like walking past all of the like bodies of these people and she got to mace there was still a little bit in the back of my brain like is there going to be a twist did they misunderstand this could mace really be alive like in the real world but he's not you know, alive in the, you know, the framework, you know, like, did they maybe miss something? And so when she came to him and his, you know, heartbeat was flatlined, to me, that was an important confirmation of, okay, this does have stakes. They're not going to do some sort of, you know, do ex machina thing at the end of this where they totally changed the rules and none of this really mattered anyways. Like, I think it was helpful to see somebody die in the framework. So that we know that it's, you know, it's for real. True. But we know, I mean, because when May first went to the framework, she could totally change it and change it, you know, and adjust it and stuff. So I don't understand why Madam Hydra, you know, assuming that Madam Hydra shares Ada's consciousness, why they can't just be changing the framework. You know, as these people figure it out, just change it. Yeah, that's interesting. I think there is some, uh, like, this also comes up, though, in the idea that Ratcliffe has a, uh, an escape. You know, like, there's, like, a back door yes. out of it, but that she somehow can't get to it, and he was smart enough. I don't know. It's kind of, it's the only thing that Ratcliffe was actually smart enough to do right. So, that's kind of an interesting plot device, you know. So. Sure. Adam, what'd you think? Were you, uh, are you into the, uh, into this? I, I would like to note quickly, the fact that I am now... Um, referring to it as the framework instead of just calling it the matrix shows the sort of way that they have won me over to this concept. You know, like I'm willing to give it full respect and use its own terminology now um, because it's just, it's been that good, you know, but Adam, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it was really good. As always, you know, it seems like it's 
getting better. I mean, after watching this one, I kind of, I don't know, in my gut, it almost made me feel like Fitz almost had a hand in doing it. You know, either or, we, like we talked about Mac last week, you know, is is Fitz going to want to leave? You know, he's just so badass and, and stuff in the framework, you know. Um, yeah, that uh, the ending of the episode was a little heart-wrenching. Um, but, yeah, it just keeps getting better as the season goes on. Yeah, I think um, I kind of appreciated... The way that um, we kind of wondered what was Fitz's like one regret, and it turns out that it's you know a relationship with his father. Um, I love that they do this storyline. There's there was that moment where Fitz looks at his dad and he says, "Without you, I wouldn't be the man that I am." And like in movies and television shows, historically, you know, we, most most people, not everybody, but many people, like love their parents. And so generally in movies and TV shows, the loss of a parent is always a terrible, tragic thing that is always detrimental to the character. So I think this storyline is fascinating and different and not like something I've ever seen before where they're just openly sort of telling a story where, no, having a bad relationship with your dad was really good for you because your dad would have screwed you up. You know, like, I think that's really kind of cool for them to tell that kind of story. It's just, uh, it's not often that I see a storyline that feels like it's unique to what I've seen before on television. And that feels this way with that particular element of this, you know? And I, there's one thing about shield right now is that they are not shying away from political statements. I mean, obviously this framework thing is, is touchy in some ways, but Flat out using the line, nevertheless, she persisted. I was kind of shocked that they went there because it seems like that could be polarizing for some fans. I mean, I don't know. I I loved it, but I was just surprised that they went there. Yeah, for me, I mean, so I'm a little surprised. What's really weird is um, I don't like how overt it is. Like, I don't have a problem with people making political statements, and I definitely, um, you know, I'm the dad of of daughters. I really, you know, appreciate this idea of, uh, it's very, it's cool to me how S.H.I.E.L.D. does such a great job of having strong female characters, Um, and I think it's good, and I love it, and I think that line really fits with what they've done overall on the show with those issues. But I don't like any political message, whether I agree with it or not, if I feel like it's crazy overt, you know, like I feel like they're like being very obvious and hit me over the head with it. And so when I heard it, there was just a little bit of cringe, like the line between saying something about society and preaching at people is kind of thin. And so for me, that was just a little too far. And again, that's not about the content or my disagreement with it. It's just kind of from... An artistic way, I'd love for them to tell me that in a more subtle and a way that makes me think instead of just throwing a catchphrase, you know, from from the political squabbles at me. Does that make sense? No, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I mean, because there's way, I mean, there's lots of messages. You know, I feel like there's a nice metaphor with all of the messages that they have in the framework. And it has a lot of interesting ideas that can be if you want to see them 
in relation to current events and, and that help you look at other people differently and whatnot. And I, I feel like sometimes throwing out something like that that says, oh yeah, we're definitely over here. It can be polarizing and it can get some people to just not listen at all and, um, and not watch or, or not watch. Um, I mean, not that I've heard anything about that. Yeah, not that I've seen anything about that. But I just sort of, I was surprised that they made it so blatant, as you said. Adam, I know you had mentioned that you heard that line, like immediately on our conversations online. You said something the second you heard it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're they're certainly not hiding anything uh, going forward with this pod, you know, with <laughs> especially the, the attention they drew, the the making society great again line of last week or the week before you know I, I don't mind it at all because i'm the type of guy always starting uh political arguments on facebook um so i like it keep it coming there's a part of me that's really curious the timing on these things i assume most of these episodes were written after the election like i wonder how much of the idea of the framework uh had the election gone differently in november would we have gotten this same show or is this somewhat the product of historical events in our country? Like, it's always interesting to me how um, films change because of what's going on kind of in the political ether that they're, they're birthed out of. So I would love to be able to, like, sit down with Jed Whedon and, like, work out, like, okay, which of this part were you going to do beforehand and how much did that change, you know, as the season went on? Um, let me, there's one piece I wanted to pull out a little bit. Um, so it looks like May has finally shifted and is now going to maybe start being a bit of a good guy again. So here's my question for you guys. What in this episode flips the switch for May? Because for me, there seems to be three options. Option one is she saw what they were doing to kids. And for some reason that bothers her that they would do that to children. Or option two is she's inspired by the heroism of, of Mace. And option three would be that when Coulson looks at her and says, May, that her deep, long, hidden love for Phil Coulson is the thing that finally gets through to her. Which do you guys think it is? I'm going to go with deep love for Coulson. And maybe a tad bit of heroism, but... I like the idea. They've played a lot with the um, subconscious love for Coulson that she has. So I'm going to go with that for now. Yeah, I thought that the whole part was... I thought that whole part was kind of odd in a sense. You know, she runs into the room and Coulson recognizes her. And then, like, she doesn't even point out anything about Grant. You know, I I understand it was... uh, dire situation um but she didn't like even grimace at the fact that another hydrogen was there you know yeah um but yeah you know i really 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 like that scene and how the whole ending was i i got goosebumps a little bit yeah and it was also one of those scenes where um they're brilliant about their special effects budget like crumbling building is the best thing to do because all you gotta do is kind of shake the camera a little bit, you know, and like everything. Uh, uh, it's a real cheap thing to do. So, but yeah, I liked the whole thing. Um, I've just been consistently surprised at how good this storyline has been. Uh, I've always enjoyed the show, 
but I always felt like it was a little bit of, um, for a while there, it felt like you'd get two good episodes and then a real clunker of an episode and then a good one and then a bad one and then a couple good ones and a bad, but I mean, this it's feeling right from here on out that this season we're going to be strong from here to the end because this is something they can really draw on in a rich way and do lots of different things. So um, I think that's, that's really cool. And part of what's always gotten me lost in shield or kind of bored or some, I don't know. I feel like it's always kind of been introducing a character. Here's a few episodes about that character. Are they a good guy? Are they a bad guy? Now that character's gone. And this little stretch is just characters. We know, you know, even when they're pulling in a character, it's a character that we've already been introduced to. We already, even Fitz's dad, like, sure, we have never seen him on screen. But everybody was like, oh, that's Fitz's dad. He's always wished he had a relationship with him. We're not having to get to know anybody new. So I think I'm just kind of enjoying that. Any other thoughts on this episode before we move along? How about that uh, sick, totally sick uh, comeback or whatever you want to say, reintroduction or whatever when they, what do you call it? Broke into the Trip. containment camp or whatever. Yeah, that was awesome. Trip. And that was the big surprise that I had heard about before I watched. So that's why Mace caught me completely off guard because I thought Trip was the big surprise of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to get it too after, I don't know, he said something about how he was going to go look for Phil or something. I'm like, ah, they introduced him just to turn around and kill him. Yes. But glad that didn't happen. Yeah, I did think he was going to die. Like, um, you know, a lot of time with like time travel shows or whatever, like there's this idea that you can't really change history and no matter how you try, certain things are always going to happen. And so I thought that was going to be kind of the idea of like, no matter what you do, Trip's going to end up dead. That's just his lot, you know, in the multiverse. So I thought he was definitely a red shirt. So it was kind of interesting to see him stick around. uh, And that was cool. I also want to take just a moment to talk about uh, the ratings for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So this week, uh, they were up again. They, um, I think this is, it's gone from a point six to a point eight over the last three weeks or so. I think it's been a three-week gap, not a two-week gap. But still, um, that is, I mean, that's significant. That's a 33% increase over a couple of weeks. It seems to suggest that the storyline is getting traction. And this is still... Uh, I still haven't seen um, L plus seven numbers, which is the DVR numbers. And so this actually is, I mean, it's perfect timing. If ABC really is still debating the future of the show, we have heard some things this week that suggest, uh, and it's all just rumors. It's, you know, like Entertainment Weekly saying, our people on the ground are telling us this or that. Um, and we can't always trust that. I mean, it, it gives you hope, but at the same time, you don't know. Uh, remember when Most Wanted was in pilot, there were all sorts of whispers. Like some people were, were saying, oh yeah, this is definitely going to go through. They love it. And other people said, oh, this is not as a sure thing as you think. And in the end, it didn't get picked up. So the whispers we're hearing are good. that They're going to give it a fifth season. It cannot hurt it that the live numbers are getting better. And uh, once those DVR numbers come in, even if they can just kind of hold serve as far as a 100 to 133% increase on the DVR. Uh, if they can do that, or I don't know, I think they could increase it. I mean, that's a high number already, but this is so popular with kind of the comic fan audience. 
I could see, you know, maybe a 150% increase. That stuff is all good for renewal. And for those of us that watch it every week and like it, um, that's exciting. Um, we try to be honest and fair on this show, but I, all three of us like this show and would like to see it continue and like having Marvel shows on TV. And so it is cool. It is exciting to see those ratings increase and to see other people enjoy the show that we're watching as well. Um, and we can see it in comments and we can see it when you look at Reddit or Twitter and what trends that this show is, is finally feeling like it's, it's moving upwards again for the first time in a really long time. And that's good because a point eight is, you know, point six was about where agent Carter was when it got canned. And so seeing this pull up to a point eight, if it can continue this trend and end this season at a one or a 1.1, that is a good sign to ABC that things are trending in a way that they're, um, they can feel even more comfortable keeping the show going. And as we've said before, there's a lot of other stuff here. The revenue is a little different for a show like this, and it is a strong DVR show, and there is the Marvel connection, and there's a sense in which this also is just advertising for the MCU. ABC has a lot of synergy with this show and other things they're trying to do uh, at the larger Disney world. So all that to say, things look hopeful today. I don't think anybody is declaring this show safe yet. And I don't think anybody will until we hear officially, but it seems like this is positive. And those are the positive things I had to say about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and their ratings. Oh, no, did I put you to sleep with ratings talk? Oh, oh, are you done talking about ratings? <laughs> yeah, I took a nap. Oh, yeah, sorry, guys. I, I nodded <laughs> off of it, my man. <laughs> All right, it's time to jump into our main conversation. And what we're asking this week is just how big can the MCU get? Um, and so we're, we're going to start out by talking about Cloak and Dagger. Uh, you may have, if you're a Cloak and Dagger fan, you may be turning this off a while back because you want to know, where's, where's the talk about the trailer? We got a trailer for that show. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit first. And then we'll use that to kind of segue into a conversation about the TV upfronts and all the stuff that is coming our way right now with Marvel. Um, Guys, uh, I think I'm sure you guys have all watched this uh, trailer for Cloak and Dagger. Uh, first of all, just what did you think of the tone? How did you generally feel about uh, what it seems like Freeform is going to put out there for us? I like it. I um, I used to watch Vampire Diaries on um, the CW. Or, yeah. Um, and it's you know a t you know when it especially when it first started it was targeted towards a young adult audience and dark and gritty and all of that and so I feel a lot of what that is. I personally I love New Orleans, and seeing, I, I mean with that last shot with Roxon Energy, or the the Roxon sign and the Crescent City connection over the Mississippi in the background and that was obviously downtown new orleans i loved that so i'm gonna end up watching this just because of my love of new orleans in addition to the mcu um as far as the characters and the stories you know i don't feel that we learned a whole lot but i did watch it like several times and i did get more excited every time i did so i'm in it uh looks a lot better than i thought it was going to <laughs> quite frankly you know thinking about Freeform, you know, I went into it thinking it would look 
kind of light and cheery like the flash you know the those tones and colors and stuff but you know if they keep up the the visuals in the trailer you, you know that's a really really good looking show so this is going to be the part of the podcast where i sound like a very out of touch old guy um they kept talking about this being a youth oriented show and i don't know i was just thinking about teenagers or whatever and so I was a little surprised at how dark it was. Um, I was a little surprised at how um, some of like the sexual imagery in it, you know, like, and I know I just sound like a grandpa, like all oh, the kids these days, but like, it was just, um, it was surprising to me. It was a little more adult feeling than I thought it would be. And that's probably good for me. Cause I was just afraid it was going to feel like, you know, boy meets world with superpowers or something. And so um, I don't know. I was surprised by that, and I think I liked that it did seem a little more grown up. Um, though it makes you know, I mean, yeah. So I I thought that was kind of just a, a surprise takeaway for me. Um, it was interesting. It seems like they're going to kind of retcon some of the superpower stuff. We had said way back when we looked ahead at our like, what's coming in 2017 episode that um, the likelihood that the idea of like drug use and experimentation was going to be the source of their powers didn't seem as likely. And we do seem to see glimpses of them getting their powers and that their powers come when they're kids before they even really know each other. It's like this weird one-off circumstance when they're kind of elementary school age. And then when they meet each other again as teenagers, they kind of discover that they had that moment together. Um, it also seems. Did you guys get the sense that their powers are almost like dormant until they're near each other and like all of a sudden the powers come out when they're when they're with each other? Was that the that's how I felt like the the trailer was setting it up. Did you feel that way as well? I thought that was kind of part of their mythology. And this is where I don't know Cloak and Dagger that well. But I thought they kind of strengthened each other in some way. My understanding is that their powers are somewhat symbiotic, like they are related to each other, but it's not that they don't have them if they're not with each other. It's more like Cloak's power will consume him if she doesn't kind of provide him some light to counterbalance like this cancerous darkness that he has. But the trailer, and maybe I'm reading too much from it, it almost seems like they don't have powers unless they're with each other. And that if they were maybe separated from one another, they wouldn't have them again. Again, I mean, I'm just reading kind of in between the lines. Um, that would be really interesting to me. Where, like, they're... Like this... I don't know. Like, that would be kind of an interesting thing for a superhero show. If your superhuman ability is contingent upon that sort of chemical butterfly in the stomach, like connection you have with another person you know that like if their romantic or sexual feelings for one another somehow triggers their powers like that would be fascinating because we all know what that's like to like fall in love with somebody and when you're around them you just feel different and you feel on top of the world like early in a relationship the idea that that could actually cause someone's super powers to come out i think is kind of cool and i think it would be kind of an interesting thing for them to explore, you know? Uh, the other thought I had that I'll get your guys' thoughts on before we broaden the conversation a little. Um, one of the things that was 
you going back to the tone and as dark as I felt like it was compared to what I thought it would be when we heard that freeform was doing this show and that freeform had also picked up squirrel girl and the new warriors. I think immediately we started to think about, Oh, they're building the, their own little sub universe and it'll be really cool if their characters like cross over and connect with one another based on what we've heard about new warriors and based on what we saw in this trailer it's going to be hard for these two shows to cross over, right? Like it is not going to be a natural fit for Mr. Immortal to like strive into the middle of their like hardcore melodrama. Did you get that sense? Like do these shows seem less connected now that we know that what we know about the two of them? Yeah. I'm not feeling anything that would bring them together, but who knows? But right now, I'm not seeing anything that would. No. You know, story-wise, you know, it's based in New Orleans, so that's kind of a new territory Marvel hasn't gotten to yet. You know, it's it's really interesting to see them actually starting to branch out geographically within the MCU, you know, because uh, you know, especially after the whole uh, Terragenesis outbreak, you know, <laughs> superheroes aren't only in New York City. You know, so it'll be uh, it'll be good. Hopefully, it's going to be interesting to see where New Warriors is based in. You know, isn't the writers' room in L.A.? So there's kind of rumblings of it being based in L.A. You know, I think it'd be very humorous to have them based in uh, uh, Chicago or Detroit, like a Great Lakes Avengers type thing. You know, it definitely add more humorous undertones. All right, I think one of the things that um, so what this really brings up for us that we were wanting to talk about a little bit more is there is a lot of content coming our way now. I mean, I think we're all aware of the, the movie schedule that this year we've got between now and basically Thanksgiving, we've got guardians volume two. We've got Spider-Man homecoming. We've got Thor Ragnarok. Um, we're hearing that we'll probably see something from inhuman soon. And so Inhumans drops September 1st and IMAX and then on to ABC Things are looking good for the possibility of some more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the fall. We've got this hitting in January or February, we hope, of next year. Early 2018 for Cloak and Dagger. Um, New Warriors probably will not be that much after it. Runaways is filming right now almost completely incognito, I feel like, over on Hulu. And um, so there's just all of that stuff. And then obviously Netflix as well with Punisher coming out, Defenders in August. We've got Jessica Jones season two, Luke Cage season two filming. Daredevil season three is supposed to film later on this year. Like it's just a lot. And I know like when the New Warriors show was uh, greenlit, I told my wife about it because her and I watch all this stuff together. And the first thing she said is like, when are we going to have time to watch all these shows? And so um, I guess that's kind of the question. Um, do you guys feel like there's ever going to become a point where the MCU gets so big that there's going to be stuff that you just can't get to? Like you just can't watch it all. I mean, I think we're already there for some fans. I mean, I definitely know some diehard MCU fans that maybe they aren't watching S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. Um, or they're slowly making their way through Iron Fist. And and definitely some that aren't interested at all. I, I mean, how many fans this week saw that Cloak and Dagger trailer and was like, wait, what? There's this coming out? 
this is the MCU. We know this. This is, um, which is why I love that they threw the rocks on sign in there. That that kind of says, you know, hey, yeah, this is the same universe as Daredevil. Right. It's all um, connected. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, th- I mean, that was a kind of deep cut, but it it at least pulled things in a little. Um. So. So I think there's definitely it's it's definitely getting hard to keep up with everything. Um but maybe it'll be released in such a way. You know, they're Freeform is going to do uh streaming on their website, I think, like simultaneously. They're doing some things to make it easier to watch on different platforms. Um Runaways will be on Hulu, so however that is, that makes it easier for me to watch. That's where, like, I have a hard time with S.H.I.E.L.D. because I don't like staying up till 10 o'clock at night, but, or till 11 when it ends. Um, so, so I, but as long as you don't have to watch Secret Warriors to understand what's going on in Daredevil Season 3... I think it won't matter if you're a fan that watches everything. No, I, I don't think it's too much. Uh, well, you know, it's a lot of stuff, but everything has their demographic, you know, or each property has their respective demographic, you know. Uh, obviously, Jessica Jones and Daredevil, where some dude lopped off his own arm and put it in a garbage disposal, isn't going to be broadcast to the the same people that's going to be watching something on a network that used to be called ABC family, you know, um, it, it's a lot for people that watch everything, you know, I mean, we're getting so many TV shows, you know, there's what going to be three movies this year, two movies next year and three movies afterwards, you know, um, I mean, for us three on here, just because we're so in tuned with the MCU, you know, I don't think it's too much per se. Um, but, you know, it might start getting to a point where it's going to be um, uneasy or not easy for a general fan to hop on board and know what the heck's going on. You know, like I was thinking that today, like if someone went to Civil War. And that was the very first Marvel movie. They saw, you know, how much of it would make sense. Or, you know, thinking ahead to Infinity War, um, we're going to have four movies between now and then, you know. Once Infinity War starts up, what happens if some random person goes in to watch that movie, you know? Are are they going to be completely lost because the stories are so far in or or what the deal is but personally you know i mean we're getting cloak and dagger and we're getting runaways and we're getting new warriors i mean holy cow right i think that as we ask that question as i ask that question i am really thinking about it from my perspective so i'm somebody who really likes this stuff i obviously write for mcu exchange i record a podcast every week um i'm also my collector slash OCD instinct is to like, I want to have it all or watch it all. It bothers me. Like I haven't read some of the prelude comics to the movies of the MCU. Cause I'm like missing a piece, you know? 
And so, like, I want to have it completed, and I want to see it all, and I don't want to miss anything. But I am really a, su- a very small, like, sub-portion of the overall audience that Marvel and Disney are trying to reach. And in reality, I, I think they probably give people like me more deference than we even deserve. Because there are a ton of people that aren't that way. They consume this differently. Um, some of you guys that listen to this podcast, this would be really interesting this week if you want to like tweet into us or leave a message on the website. Like, If you're a fan that watches some of this stuff, but not all of it, uh, we'd love to hear just like what you watch and what you don't watch and why. Because I think there's a lot of people that way. I have, you know, I've mentioned before, I have a friend who only watches Jessica Jones. She doesn't like anything else that Marvel does. Jessica Jones is it. And that's, that's the way some people are. I mean, we have people, I won't out anybody, but we have a couple of people on the website that don't watch S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore because they just got tired of it and they felt like it was boring. And so, um, yeah, I mean, this idea that a Marvel fan is somebody who watches every one of these shows and is totally into all of this stuff is not, I guess, really, really realistic. It's kind of me putting my worldview on other people. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's something going on. Uh, so I had a question just to, I don't know, maybe we'll cause a little controversy here. For you two, if, uh, given everything that's on the slate right now for Marvel, if you said, I don't have enough time for all of this, there is one thing that I have to cut. What would be the one... TV show or movie or whatever, what property would be the one you cut if you had to cut it because you just didn't have the time for it all? I mean, right now for me, it would be Secret Warriors. New Warriors? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever that. Case in point. Comedy that, um, yeah. New Warriors. That's a really tough question. Uh, so if... Is it just new episodes or new properties? I, I, or I would say anything. Overall? If you had to cut one thing because you just don't have anything. the time for it all, what would be the thing you'd cut? The second half of Luke Cage. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, the one where they made Grant Ward into this super villain. Yeah, that I one. didn't realize we could be that specific. <laughs> it wasn't my thought, but I like it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's kind of humorous, but that that is not a terrible option. If you're like, really to make time, what I'll do is I'll ask my friend who watched all of a Netflix show, which like five episodes were the best ones and watch just those. I mean, I don't know if I could do it, but like, Particularly with a show like Iron Fist, I think there's a lot of people that kind of wish that they had only watched, you know, five or six of the best episodes. I enjoyed it a little more than that, but I've heard a lot of people say, like I've heard, I've heard several podcasts say, start at episode five and just forget the first four episodes. So it's interesting that you talk about Netflix, because I think some people are starting to get frustrated with the low points in quality on those 13 episode seasons, you know? Well, and I think, Adam, I, mean, I think it also brings up a good point that, like, for us, I, you know, I mean, for us, we're probably going to watch everything, but it's a real matter of which ones are we going to watch over and over and over and really study. Because, I mean, like, Daredevil season one, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it because I'll turn it on in the background when I'm doing other things or whatever. Luke Cage, the back half of that season... 
I don't know if you could get me to watch it. There would have to be a real reason for me to rewatch some of those those episodes. So maybe that's the equivalent for us to what it is for normal people that are trying to watch this and also, you know, have a life and watch other things. Not that we don't have a life. I have a life. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> don't get too defensive. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think my thing, if I had to, you know, do my weird question I created, um, I guess I would say Cloak and Dagger is the one for me. Even after this trailer, I'm still not convinced. They're not characters I deeply love. Um, What I like about Cloak and Dagger is when they show up in Spider-Man or when they show up in uh, Miles Morales uh, or when they showed up in Runaways. And so that's probably the one I would leave out, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch all of this. And if Freeform doesn't make it available online, we'll pay the extra to do a season pass on iTunes so we can watch it. You know, like, at this point, Marvel owns my wallet. And so that's just, it's life, you know. But I just thought it was interesting to see kind of what we might put away. So I guess, um, let me kind of finish with this question. Uh, We've heard people, and I think even people at Marvel, say something like, the great thing about our characters and the great thing about the catalog we have is that it really is endless. There will never run out of, of new exciting stories to tell and properties to develop. Um, do you believe that? Or, you know, for example, and you know, if you're a fan of new warriors, don't hate us, but the fact that we have a TV show with Mr. Immortal going to be a main character, is that a suggestion that, this catalog actually is not endless and we're starting to see them uh, at least get towards the bottom of the barrel or, you know, how do you, how do you guys feel about like when you see these new properties, do you feel like, Oh wow, that's really great. That's something that needs to be done. Or does it feel like they're stretching more and more as they add these things on? I mean, they're coming up with new stuff every day in the comics. Um, I feel, you know, like when we were talking about S.H.I.E.L.D., some of my burnout on S.H.I.E.L.D. was simply there were too many characters that I was having to get to know all the time. So all I ever really want is a base group of characters that are well-developed and that I really get to spend some time with. Um, that being said, I, I when they're at the point that they're giving us, like, Stilt Man or... I mean, I don't know. We've seen Doc Ock in the Sony movies, but there's some really weird Silver Age characters that I think if they got into, but um, I don't know. I don't think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. You know, you look at Spider-Man and the whole plethora of villains he goes up against. You know, I think this series calls for... Uh, the funny characters, you know, and obviously since Rocket and Groot are now two of the most popular characters, they're quite unavailable, you know. So, I mean, Mr. Immortal, they'll be able to do all sorts of hilarious stuff, and people are, you know, he's kind of that character that's going to be quotable, you know, especially for the freeform demographic. Um, I don't think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel quite yet. I mean, we have yet to see Darkhawk, so there's that. Yeah. I think um, the thing that makes me still feel okay about this um, is that they have such good characters that they're still holding a reserve 
Like they have some powder that they're keeping dry. Um, and what I, when I say that, you know, we, you said a little earlier today, Moon Knight. Or uh, the big one oh, for me yeah. is Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. Like those are characters that are not just, oh, you could do something. Like those are ones that like I immediately start to salivate at the idea of like, oh, that would be an incredible show. And so if they had already exhausted those options, if we had a Nova movie, and if Adam Warlock was in the MCU, and if we had a Kamala Khan TV show, and we had a Moon Knight Netflix show, and Ghost Rider had been more than just a couple episodes on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and if we had seen, um, you know, like, Morbius, and like some of the sons of the midnight sun right you know like all that kind of like if all of those things have been done and they're like hey guys what about speedball then i would be a little more nervous but i think that they're really they're just trying to find fits for networks and their fits for certain avenues and so and it seems like they're being patient like runaways was something they wanted to make a decade ago as a movie but they said, you know what? We're just going to wait until the right partner and the right situation came up. And now we're going to get that on Hulu. And so, um, so I don't worry too much about hitting the bottom of the barrel because I think they have a lot of more, maybe not top shelf, but you know, we're talking about A, B, C level heroes. I think they have, in the case of Miss Marvel, I mean, I think she is a top shelf thing that they have. I think her books sell really well. I think that they've gotten a lot of good critical acclaim for that series. And I think people love Kamala Khan. And the fact that she's still not been introduced means that they're not going from most popular to least popular. They're just doing fits. Uh, they're just finding what fits the right network or the right movie. And so that all makes me feel better about you know the whole process, if that makes any sense. So First off on the mail, uh, we did get a couple of comments about last week's episode, that there was some kind of weird long gaps, it felt like, um, which kind of maybe made our made our energy seem a little low. Hopefully you're hearing that better t this time. Honestly, what happened is I messed around with some new editing software last week, and it didn't work like I wanted it to, and it got late, and I got lazy. And so I did not edit it as tightly as I usually do. Um, so we heard you guys on that. Uh, apologies for that. Um, we're going to try to help that not happen. Because I know that is very terrible to listen to um, long pauses. It's one of the reasons I don't listen to Jim Rome on the radio. It drives me crazy with his pauses. So anyways, we heard those comments. Thanks for uh, letting us know. And we're going to keep on working on those things. Uh, we're practicing. We said last week we're trying some new different things on recording. And so hopefully you're getting better audio quality all the time. But it just means growing pain sometimes. So we appreciate your patience with it. Uh, on the website... Um, Love Waffle, as always, had some comments. Uh, he had a little back and forth with somebody called The Walking Lost. And uh, they just talked about Thor and kind of questioned whether or not... Uh, we talked about this on the podcast last week. How much of Thor Ragnarok did we see in the trailer? And uh, they were just kind of wondering... Um, this, this idea that we've um, had with James Gunn and now with Waititi and Thor, that you don't give people anything from the second or third acts in the trailers to keep a mystery. Uh, they were just kind of having an out loud conversation about, uh, is it possible that I'll ever come back to bite you that people really like what's in the trailer. But then by the time the movie's over, they're like, well, I liked the trailer, but that was only the first third of it. And then the second third was stinky. So 
anyways, uh, that was one of the conversations going on the website. Uh, we're on YouTube now, and so you can listen to our show on YouTube. Um, Doug put some images on that as well. Uh, it's uh, not too, it was still not video of us or anything like that. But if you'd rather listen to the podcast that way, it's available to you. Uh, we had a few comments there that I was just going to pick up on. Um, Venomous45 Vaughn and VicZam9 had both mentioned, we had talked about how Thor Ragnarok was the big setup for Infinity War. And they were just kind of reminding us that Black Panther does come out next February before Infinity War. And they were uh, making some interesting theories about um, kind of Wakanda as the city of the dead. And the idea that the Soul Stone might actually be somewhere in Wakanda as sort of part of this, uh, the necropolis or the, the city of the dead that exists there. Uh, I think that was really interesting. I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. Mostly because from what we've heard of Black Panther, they want that to be more of a political thriller, a more grounded movie, a movie more like Winter Soldier than a movie that kind of gets into something like an Infinity Stone. Um, so I liked what the, their, their ideas. I'm not sure if that's how it's going to work, but thanks for sharing those thoughts. Uh, that was really interesting for me to read today. Uh, Esai Liera, and I probably said that wrong, I'm sorry, uh, just made some comments. We are talking about how uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok can look a little bit alike. And the comment uh, that this individual made was that the big difference between Thor Ragnarok and Guardians uh, Volume 2 is that Thor Ragnarok has a lot more of that Jack Kirby sort of style. It's not just colorful, but it's colorful in a particular idiom of Jack Kirby. And I agree with that. I think that is something that makes Ragnarok stick out a lot. Uh, and people have talked about that a lot uh, in the design of the costumes, particularly. Um, on YouTube, Jackhammer has followed us on over, and he just said that we have shamed him into watching Logan after our discussion last week. So, um, Woo, victory! You know, exactly. It's good nice. to see the peer pressure still works. Hopefully, we're influencing yeah. the world for good, not evil. Um, and then oh. we had a comment by uh, Haviz Mat Sabiria, uh, Sabiri. I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering this. We love you, listeners. Thank you for commenting. Um, and he just, um, and th this comment just said, um, talked about Logan, and we were kind of building up Logan last week in the mailbag, and said, yeah, it's okay, but I like the MCU because it's a little more interconnected. And it does seem like that is some of the divide between people that are really excited about Deadpool and Logan and those who are less excited, is those movies are not really part of a, a coherent universe. I mean, I love X-Men movies, but coherent is not a word to use for that universe. And so uh, it's interesting to see some people that like stories that are a little separate, whereas other people want it to be more interconnected. Uh, even at the, within our internal conversations at the site, some people don't like this framework thing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's not interconnected enough, because it feels kind of fake and separate from the real MCU. So... Uh, anyways, guys, that's our mailbag, and thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for your comments. Please continue to um, listen to the show and let your friends know about it. Uh, there's lots of things you can do. You can leave us comments um, on the website. You can leave us comments now on YouTube. You can leave us comments on our Facebook posts. You could also send comments to us via the hashtag MCUXPod, M-C-U-E-X-Pod, P-O-D. Um, also, you can go to iTunes and give us a five-star review and tell us how much you love the website. We'll go and read those reviews from time to time. 
Um, and you can like us on SoundCloud is another option. So all those things are there. But the biggest thing is when you listen every week, when you download it onto your, um, uh, your mobile device, uh, that is so good for us because it just builds the awareness and uh, helps us maybe someday even chart this thing on certain kind of places that look at that stuff. And so your listens are really encouraging. We like doing this for people who like listening to it. And so thank you for uh, just all the, the kindness and the, the good vibes that we get from you guys sometimes in the comments. So uh, we really appreciate that. All right. We'll see when it's edited how long it is, but this has been a long episode so far. So it is, I think, time to go. Um, Adam, Rhiannon, go ahead and give us your details about where people can get a hold of you. And uh, feel free to talk about, I don't know, what other projects you work on. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Shot of Patron, all one word. Um, you can also find my other podcast where I ramble a little bit more and it comes out much less frequently with far less wonderful editing at superlaties, superladies with a T, uh, dot com. And you can find me on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. Um, I'm actually in Chicago for the weekend going to C2E2, so follow me for some, uh, cool pictures and info and stuff. Sounds like fun. Any particular panels you think you're going to get to see? All of the Marvel ones. Um, I totally spaced off the fact that uh, my Coulter's in town, so obviously if they are filming Luke Cage, it's none of the important stuff. This weekend, at least. <laughs> Good point. Go get us some answers. <laughs> yeah, go... Go up to Mike and be like, what What the heck, guy? Yeah. What's the deal? Mike, explain I was going to say, go up to Jeff Loeb and get answers. Somehow I would feel more comfortable... Shaking down Jeff Loeb than I would Mike Coulter. Um, that just seems like that could be dangerous for my health. That's a big guy. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Jeff Loeb, like, yes, he's not physically imposing, but like the few times I've been in his general vicinity, I wasn't going to f*** with him. <laughs> you can bleep that out, but... <laughs> yeah, I will. I also love that like, you have multiple times that you've been in the presence of Jeff Loeb, so... Um... <laughs> I mean, it's just like something about him that it's just like, do not come towards me. I can kill you. Just like with my eyes. Just no. Season um, 18 of Daredevil, Jeff Loeb will be the main villain. So, um, yes, yes. I am. He's really stilt man. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. I'm at, uh, at Caleb A. Borchers on Twitter. And that's where I interact with a lot of the Marvel stuff. Um, and as always, we want to push you also to go to the site. Like we said, best place to stay up to date with um, all the MCU news. I was an avid reader long before I ever worked on the website. Um, also, we have some more stuff coming for the YouTube channel. Charles continues to do some great supercuts. Uh, Doug has started back up MCU um, Q&A. And so that comes out, I think, earlier in the week. Definitely check that out on YouTube. Um, and also on any of our YouTube videos, give us a thumbs up. I'm hearing that that's a new algorithm that's really important. So we appreciate the thumbs up too. I think that does it for now. We are excited to talk to you next week. And until then, have a good time with the Marvel Universe, guys. See you later. Bye.